0: Well, this morning, I want to talk about the prayer of Jesus. It's an interesting prayer that Jesus prayed. Uh, Only one of the Gospels records it, and that's in the book of John. But it's a very powerful prayer that Jesus prayed just before his crucifixion, and he was praying for us. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 17, uh, 9 to 23, Uh, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them. I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they'd be filled with my joy. I've given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world. But to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity, that the world will know that you sent me, and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, may you add your blessing your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, already speaking to us through the music, Lord, uh, through the words of the music, Lord, through the sharing of the scripture during our worship time. Thank you, Lord, for already speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I just want to share with you about this prayer of Jesus. It's a very personal prayer that really reveals his heart for his disciples and for all of us, for all believers who would come faith in Jesus Christ throughout the centuries. The the prayer shows that Jesus is concerned about every follower of Christ. And he, he brings us to the attention of the Father in heaven through prayer. In fact, he continues to pray for all believers, even to this very day, interceding on our behalf, pleading our cases before the Father. And I hope that you kind of get that picture to realize that Jesus is already interceding before the Father about you. I think that's pretty cool that he's doing that. And that certainly should be an encouragement that Jesus is pleading our situation before the Father, and he's doing that right now because I, he loves us, because he cares about us. We have the Father's attention, our Heavenly Father's attention because of Jesus. Hebrews 7 twenty four twenty five says but because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever, therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He's our intercessor, He is the one that represents us before our heavenly Father. This passage of his prayer to the Father reminds us that he's still praying for us today, and he's in a position of authority to plead our cases. And that kind of tells us that we have a wonderful friend, a wonderful Savior in Jesus Christ. He has direct access to the throne room of God, and he's there interceding on behalf of you and I. John 17, 2 and 3 says, for I've given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's in that place of authority over everyone, over everything. He is in a place of access where he can bring our requests literally to our Father in heaven. And the fact that he is there proves obviously that he is who he said he was, that he is the very Son of God. Uh, sent into this world to redeem all of us he is the way the truth and the life and our faith our salvation and eternity is secure as we know that Jesus is in that right place and so as he's in that place he prays for us he intercedes for us he brings our requests and our needs directly to the attention of our father in heaven and I don't know about you but I kind of feel quite blessed Quite overwhelmed, quite comforted to know that Jesus is working on my behalf. He's working, bringing my situations, your situations, my problems, your problems, battles, our requests for help, all those things. He's bringing them directly before the Father. Reminds me of an older hymn for those of us who are older in this place. What a friend that we have in Jesus. all my griefs and care, uh, sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. He's praying for us. Even as we pray, he's praying for us. Jesus is such a blessing to us. And this chapter of John 17 should remind us of that blessing, especially that Jesus is working on our behalf, praying for us. And as we look at that prayer a little bit closer, we see a number of areas where Jesus is praying and interceding on our behalf, even without us even asking. He's already praying for us. And I like that. Jesus is ahead of us. He's already praying about things that we may not have even come to that place to pray. He's already praying for us. And he's indeed a wonderful Savior. We see his care and desire for each and every one of us. So he's praying for us in many ways in this prayer. And, and that's where I'd like to bring your attention this morning is just to look at some of those areas that Jesus is praying about for you and I. And one of the first things that Jesus is praying for us is protection. Jesus desires that we live under the umbrella of God's protection. Where we are shielded from injury and harm and danger or loss. So obviously Jesus desires good things for us. He wants good things to happen to us, happen to us over bad things that happen to us. However, Jesus also knows that life can be hard and difficult. There can still be trials and dangers that will come our way just as we saw with the disciples as they went through various things. But there's an element there of God's protection. He says that here in verses 11-12 of John 17. He says, now I am departing from the world, and they are staying in the world, but I'm coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the Scriptures foretold. So Jesus is actively seeking our protection, that we would indeed be protected from trials, sicknesses, tragedies, all things that life can bring. And that can be seen in, as the heart of God for all of us, that God desires to protect us. Psalm 91 would be another great example. Uh, verses 2 and 4, the whole psalm is great, but we'll just take two verses out of there. It says, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. So at the heart of God, he desires to protect us to you, for you and me. You know, we may never know until eternity how often we were protected from harm while here on earth. I was thinking uh, last year I did one of those loops in the highway numbers of times and going around different cars. I didn't hit a car. I didn't hit the bank. I didn't hit the thing. But I spun all the way in circles all the way down to the bottom of the hill. And I knew that God was with me. In fact, one of the gentlemen that stopped said, when I saw you, I started to pray. Man, God must be with you. I said, yes, he is. Yes, he is. But there, there's many occasions that we don't even know about where God has intervened in their lives. And we didn't even know that he was protecting us. And that's his heart. He wants to protect us. However, it's not the only area that God desires to protect us. See, he's even more concerned about the area of salvation. He desires that we all would come to faith in him, that we would all would come to heaven, that we would serve the Lord, that we would not fall away, that we would not be deceived. And another area that was a concern to Jesus here, we find that really in verse 15. It says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. See, Jesus knows that Satan will come against us. He'll bring many things our way that will try to harm us or destroy us, but he wants us to know that he's already praying on our behalf for our protection, that we are on his mind so much that even when we think of Jesus speaking to disciples and they ask, well, how should we pray? And and Jesus responded with them in the Lord's Prayer. And, And verse 13 of that prayer says, "'And don't let us yield to temptation,' But uh, but rescue us from the evil one or deliver us from evil. So obviously Jesus is interested in our protection physically and spiritually. And know today that Jesus is praying and interceding for you today. On whatever is happening in your life, whatever is going on in your life, Jesus is praying for you, protection over your life, over your family and over your situation. I think that's a pretty good thing to keep in mind. And then another area where Jesus is concerned about us is, uh, and praying for us is the area of joy. Jesus desires that we would be filled with joy. That's a good thing. John 17, 13, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. See, there's a perspective that God can give that he can download from heaven where we'll have a joy in our heart, a joy in our life, even in the midst of adversity, tragedies, uh, bad circumstances and things of that nature that may be going on. There's a joy that we can have through God. See, God wants us to be happy. God doesn't want us to be depressed. God doesn't want us to be sad. And he's praying for us. And and as I look at our world today today, these last few years of COVID, uh, you know, the mental health issues that are happening in our world are, are just tremendous, unbelievable uh, how people are really struggling in the area of mental health. And then for us here in this deep freeze of three weeks, that's just kind of added to the pain uh, of mental health, and uh, it's really touching a lot of people. But Jesus says, I come to bring you joy. I want to bring you joy. Even in the midst of all the craziness that is happening in our world today, Jesus is saying, I want to bring you joy. In the earlier chapter, Jesus was speaking on a key to have joy in our lives, and that was to remain in God's love, to keep loving others and to live a life of obedience to God. Those are kind of keys. Keep serving the Lord, keep loving on other people, remain in Him. Keep that relationship strong with Him, and you will walk in a joy that will be beyond your understanding. When we pay attention to our spiritual life, our relationship with God and others, it automatically leads to a joy in our lives. John 15, 10 and 11 says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. See, there's a joy in serving God, having a relationship with him that helps us triumph over our natural emotions, over natural circumstances, and can bring us a joy in difficult times. And often our world sometimes looks at Christians and, and they're kind of bewildered and think, well, you, know, you, you seem to be handling this str- time of stress so well. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, well, how, how is that possible? And it's because of relationship With Jesus Christ, that there's a joy that comes in our lives that really is beyond description. And Jesus goes on to say, Joy is something that we should be praying for as well. John 16, 24. You haven't done this before, he said, Jesus. He says, Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have an abundant joy. You know, when you read the scriptures, it talks about joy quite a bit, and it really Uh, we see that the heart of God is that he he wants us, he is filled with joy, a a joy that's far greater than anything that this world can give us. He's praying for abundant joy, a joy unspeakable, joy that overflows, joys that fills us completely. And so when we have those times when we get down physically, spiritually, mentally, you know, we need to realize, you know what, God is praying for me. Jesus is praying for me. He's bringing me to the attention of the Father today because he sees what I am going through. He sees my discouragement. He sees the struggles that are going on in my life, and he's praying for joy to come. And I don't know about you, but I think our whole world could use an impartation of fresh joy from heaven. And I pray that, that God would indeed release a fresh joy in you that will override all these circumstances, situations, Things have taken place in your life that have discouraged you or gotten you down, that a new joy would be released in your life because Jesus is praying for you. Amen. Then the next area Jesus touches on in his prayer is the importance of truth and the word of God, which is truth. Jesus understands that the, the truth that brings freedom and truth, that truth can be found in the word of God, the Bible. John 17, 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. See, Jesus wants us to know the truth, which is found in the word of God and is revealed to us by God. And if you're a Christian, then you already know that as you read the Bible, that God just continues to speak through you through reading those words. And you can read the Bible hundreds of times And you can be amazed how God continues to speak to you, even though you might have read a verse a hundred times, God can just speak something fresh or revelation can come to you as you read that. Well, Jesus is praying for that to happen for all of us, that everyone that picks up the Bible would come to a greater understanding of truth and that they would indeed experience revelation. And so as you're picking up your Bible and you're reading it, maybe you've been struggling with uh, reading your Bible. Well, you need to realize as you pick that Bible up that Jesus is already praying for you, that you would see the truth as you read, that you would have understanding as you read. And and so that's a good thing, that Jesus is already praying about us before we even get into the Word of God and read it for ourselves. Now, the Apostle Paul also speaks about the importance of of the Word of God. It's so very, very important. We all need to be reading the Word of God. We, we, we have it even on our, our tablets, uh, on our phones now. Uh, you don't even have to go to a bookstore anymore to, to buy an actual Bible because you got it electronically. And you can download uh, every translation, uh, every version of the Bible that is out there. You can just, you know, a simple app and boom, you have them all. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He said, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scriptures inspired by God is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what is right. He uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The word of God is so very, very important. And Jesus is already praying that as you read that word, that you're going to see the truth. And that truth is going to bring revelation into your mind and into your heart. God's word, the Bible, is so very, very important. Jesus wants us to experience the truth of the word of God, that it would sanctify us, that it would change us to be better people, to be a people with a new devotion, a fresh calling to serve the Lord. He wants us to grow in our faith, grow Revelation, grow in understanding, grow in truth. And he's praying that for you and I. He wants us to, to grow as we read the word of God. He wants us to understand. He wants us to experience revelation from God as we read his word. Then a fourth thing that Jesus is praying here, he's praying for the spread of the gospel, commissioning us as sent ones to proclaim the good news of the gospel. John seventeen eighteen. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. See, sometimes as Christians, we fail to realize that we're all sent ones. We are sent to share the gospel with the people who are around us. And this is the mission of all believers. That's our calling. That's our job. That's what every one of us is actually called to do. Not just some people, but all of us. Are called to this mission and this commission of reaching out to our world, which is basically the great commission that Jesus spoke of here in Matthew 28 19 and 20. And he says, This therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this I am with you always, even to the end. Of the age, See, that's a commission to every Christian, not just to some Christians, all Christians. We are all to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has placed all of us in different places where we can be a witness, where we can testify of the goodness of God and testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that needs to be taught. We really do. And, uh, of course, that's a message that's uh, throughout the word of God as well, uh, that we are to share the gospel with others. And obviously, it's something very important to Jesus because, again, here's Jesus getting ready to be crucified. And what's he doing? He's praying about getting the gospel message out. He's not praying about himself in that sense. He's praying for us, praying for generations that will come to faith in Christ that we might share the gospel. And that's something that's very, very important. I think back to earlier in Matthew, Matthew's gospel, Matthew 9, 37, 38, where Jesus is talking to his disciples again. He says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Do you realize we need to be praying that as well, coming in agreement with Jesus that he would send more people, not so that our church can be bigger, but that we can reach more people. And we need to be praying that God gives new people. We want to see new people that will come into our church that are going to help us to spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that we will reach our community, we will reach our world for you, because that's his mission. And he commissions us into that area that we would be involved and we would say yes. May we respond like the prophet Samuel said, Here am I, Lord. Use me. I'll be used of you. Then lastly, in this prayer of Jesus, Jesus prayed for unity among all of his followers. See, Jesus knew for the church to succeed, there needs to be unity. Listen to his words, verses 21, 23 of John 17. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Unity is that state of being one, being in harmony, being in agreement. It's very important for us as followers of Christ that we be striving towards unity. Very important. God has given us... a. Leadership in our churches, Uh, he's given us apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers that will help us, direct us, to lead us towards that. But the very word of God also is there for us to read and to see that God desires unity amongst his people. And when we don't have unity, then we give the devil a foothold in our lives, in the lives of our churches. And that's what can cause disunity. And that's something that we don't want. The Apostle Paul, he addressed the early church with these words, 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Unity is where the church will prosper. Unity is where our world will look at us and they will respond to the gospel of Christ. They will believe the message of Jesus because they'll see unity amongst Christians. It's unity that becomes a convincing testimony. And in fact, Jesus, he speaks of this twice in his prayer, once at the start, then at the end, stressing the importance that we have unity. Unity is the blessing in the church that is needed and that will help us to reach our world With the gospel. Even as you read the Old Testament, it talks about the importance of unity. And I found it rather interesting that unity was associated with the anointing of God, unity was associated with people experiencing the peace of God, unity was associated with experiencing refreshing times from the Lord, unity was associated with God's favor and his blessings. Listen to Psalm 133. It's just three verses, a very short psalm. It says how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Sion. And there the Lord has pronounced His blessing, even life everlasting. We may not think of unity as being that important, but it really is. That's where the anointing is. That's where the power is. That's where times of refreshing come. That's when that peace comes. That's when people are drawn to Jesus. Unity is where the anointing and the power of God are displayed that are going to touch our world. And so we may examine ourselves. That we might keep the unity. That we don't, are not people that will be the cause of some of our world rejecting Christ. Jesus prays for unity. Do you know that? He's praying for unity. Whether you are or not, he is, he's praying for our unity. He's praying that we'd be drawn together. That we would work together. That we get past our differences and our opinions and all those kinds of things. It was interesting, I've been reading this book on revival uh, that happened um, uh, in uh, Ontario, in Hamilton, Ontario, and it was kind of interesting that the problem that they said was preventing revival was that Christians were really not in unity. They were promoting fear in, in the midst of a pandemic instead of promoting love and joy and peace. But yet, God began to move. God began to change a lot of Christians' hearts. And a revival broke out in that city during a pandemic, just like we're experiencing today about 100 years later. But that was key. The church coming together, being unified, touches our world, speaks to our world, that you know what? This gospel of Jesus must be true. So he prays for that. So this morning... I hope you're encouraged to realize that Jesus is praying for you. He's concerned about you. He loves you. He's praying about things that are going on in your life even before you do. That's what he's doing. He's interceding on our behalf in all these areas, praying protection over us. I'm glad that he does, that he prays that we'd be protected during our week, during our day. We have no idea. What things could happen to us. So to know that we we should be praying ourselves that God protect me. Watch over me. But he's already doing that. He's praying that. But you need to come in agreement with that. He's praying for us to have joy and happiness. We haven't been living in very happy those last two years. Or these last three weeks have not been so great with all this cold weather. But maybe it's been good because it's keeping us all inside. But God wants you to be happy. He's praying for that. He's praying for truth, that you would get to know the truth, and that you would experience a revelation from God himself in his word. He's praying for commissioning where more and more of his followers will respond and spread the gospel. And he's praying for unity amongst all believers. I'm thankful that Jesus is praying for us. I'm thankful that he's praying for me. I trust you are thankful that Jesus is praying for you, interceding, bringing your requests, bringing your needs, even before they happen, unto the Father's attention. And I realize that we all fail, we all make mistakes, but he's still praying for us. He's still praying for us. And that's a good thing. That should bring comfort to us, that, that we serve a God that is watching over us, that cares about us, that's interceding on our behalf, even over things that we haven't even asked of yet. He's ahead of us. So may we come into agreement with Him. May we strive to be more like Him. We are on His mind. We are on His mind. He's pursuing us. He's pursuing us. He wants more people to come to faith in the knowledge of Jesus. He wants us to be as one with Him. Not just with one another, but with Him. So this morning as we conclude I hope you're encouraged to realize that Jesus is praying for you. That's what was important for him. Before his crucifixion, he told us, this is what I'm going to be doing for you. I'm going to pray for you now. I'm going to be praying for all the generations of people that will come to faith, and I'm going to be doing that for all eternity until we are reunited with him. He's interceding on our behalf. What a friend we have in Jesus.